Hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I am your host, Joel, and joining me as always is Matt. Hello everyone, how are you going, Joel? Oh, I'm doing alright, I can't complain. I, uh, I know people have heard me talk about on the show before, I have a New York trip coming up in October. Well, I thought yeah. I did. The New York trip in October might very well have become a Philadelphia trip this September. Well, it has become. Some <laughs> of the trip is already paid for. But yes, I've been running around trying to get stuff in order, trying to get new con-going shoes, trying to get American SIM cards, getting American insurance for when I travel over there, get my money changed. It's a whole thing. Uh, traveling is so much fun. It sure is. It's fun when you get there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the long plane rides and mm. shit beforehand that yeah. that I hate. That's the other thing too. Like obviously I'm going with other people and for them it's, you know, it's just a national trip, but for me it's an international trip and there's always like 30 more things you got to go through. Like, oh great, now I got to go stand in customs too when I come in. Yeah, yeah. Which I have not been in American Airline customs in a very long time. I can only imagine it's gotten super worse. Yeah, you're going to get that finger up the butthole. Mm. It's my own fault for being suspicious, really. <laughs> yeah, you with that, that chin beard. Yeah, oh, jeez, I'm sorry. Oh, geez. Actually, in my last uh, airport thing when I came back, and this was in my own country, too, I actually did get pulled aside for extra screening, and I'm like, but but there's only, like, three other people in line. Why, why me? <laughs> you look too suspicious, Joe. <laughs> you look like you got the drugs. <laughs> now I just need to pat your crotchal region like i think you just wanted to pat my crotchal region is all i'm saying <laughs> maybe maybe he was a fan and he recognized you and said like, oh this is my chance <laughs> to grab it i can grope joel it's the only way <laughs> <laughs> which it's funny too is that you know usually when i'm traveling i'm pretty good where it's like okay don't bring any liquids don't bring any of this don't do anything that would stop you up <clears throat> i was traveling with my two younger cousins to bring them back to their grandparents here and of course they brought a ton of liquid and a ton of other stuff that needed extra screening and a bunch of stuff to be looked at and it's like don't you kids travel more than me <laughs> yeah but they're kids they don't care that's true they really don't Meanwhile, me, I'm like, you know what's going to happen? You kids are going to sleep because you're tiny on the plane. Meanwhile, I'm like eight foot whatever. I'm going to be freaking jammed in there. I'm not going to be able to sleep at all. <laughs> it's just not going to work for me. Uh, but uh, what else is new with you, Matt? I noticed before we started, uh, you were checking out the uh, trailer there for uh, True Detective Season 3. I know I was looking at that, too. Yeah, it looks really cool. It does look really cool. It almost felt like the uh, subtitle should have been True Detective Season 3. We promise it'll be more like Season 1 than Season 2. <laughs> it does. I, I liked Season 2. I like that they tried something different than Season 1. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that it's gone back to kind of Season 1. And it seems to be like a period piece as yes. well. Yes, it does. We're like clearly seeing an old guy looking back on his memories, but he can't trust his memories. Yeah. Also, it's Cottonmouth from uh, Luke Cage, so that's cool. Yeah. Here's hoping he doesn't die like four episodes in. <laughs> the the actress who plays Mariah crosses shows and kills him four episodes <laughs> into True Detective. And then she becomes the old man reliving oh. the past. <laughs> oh shit, what a twist. It's all connected. <laughs> man, you know, as disappointing as season two was of True Detective, it did have an amazing gunfight though. It did, it did, and it had a good cast as well. It had a really good cast, all people you want to see like, man, why aren't you in better things? Yeah. So true, uh, ba-dum-ba-dum. -ba -dum. 
Uh, but yes, everyone, believe it or not, we are actually a comic book podcast, and we actually do have some comic book news to discuss. We do. And perhaps the biggest piece of news is, of course, the one that we chose to be the thumbnail uh, for this very episode, and that is, is Guardians of the Galaxy 3 cancelled? Yeah, probably not, but it's definitely in some trouble right now. It is. The, the, the production crews, the pre-production crews have all been sort of dismissed and mm. put on hiatus or something. Yeah, they were told to go home. They showed up ready to go, and reps from Disney are like, you gotta leave. We don't, we don't have a director. We're not gonna be able to move ahead with the movie. We fired our director and capitulated to some horrible people. Have you not been paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only they, they, they had someone who who knew these characters and mm-hmm. and had has worked with these actors before that they could hire. Yeah, if only, if only. And you know what? Here's the thing. I don't see the movie regain or restarting production anytime soon either. I think Disney has really worked no. themselves into a corner, shot themselves in the foot, and it's like they can't make it look like they're actively looking for new directors because that could get them in more trouble from the fans who want to see Gun back. And also, other directors can't be like, well, what about me? Because that seems really tacky, like you're dancing yeah. on the man's grave and everything. And I'm sure many directors don't want to go out for it for just that reason. Because, again, too, this has also become a political statement for Disney as well, which I'm sure they didn't want. And I'm sure a lot of directors are like, well, if I take this job, will I be supporting the bad people? This makes it seem like I'd be supporting them if I took this gig. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Disney. I think now they've kind of realized, like with without with them releasing that statement where they like basically doubled down and said no, Gun isn't coming back. They in the backlash they got from that. I think they've now sort of realized, like, oh, maybe we did do something wrong. Maybe we did jump the gun. Uh, no pun intended. But it's yeah, that, <laughs> that that statement. It definitely seems like oh no, this is getting real. And Dave Batista continues to verbally smack them <laughs> on social media it's kind of impressive where it's like dude you are just not afraid of losing your job at all well have you seen dave batista he's not afraid of anything no no he crushes cars between his thighs he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> give alan horn the batista bomb brother <laughs> he's the animal which you know it's and again too i'm sure disney's afraid of that they're like oh no but if we batista's saying this stuff about this if if we fire batista would the other guys quit because of it? Because they seem all really mm. close-knit and everything. Like, oh, no, we're going to have a full-on actor revolt. Maybe we should just wait for this to calm down. Even though in waiting, this throws off the entire Marvel Universe machine that has been very well-oiled yeah. and doesn't routinely miss stuff like this. No, no. it It's very strange. They do... At least they do have some time before Guardians three was meant to come out yeah so they, they got some leeway it's not like they did this you know like a month before it was meant to start shooting or something or yeah um but yeah it, it, it kind of makes me think that like maybe they've realized their mistake and they're just like well what do we do now how do we fix this where we're still in the right but everyone is happy yeah, exactly and i think the thing about that is is they might just have to wait they might just have to put this one on the back burner and just really hope against hope that the heat dies down or, you know, fucking rehire James Gunn. You know, the thing that would make everyone happy, yeah. but you won't do that because you'll have to admit you were wrong. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And in fact, he might not want to come back. And in fact, it seems like he's already being courted by a bunch of other different studios. Like, isn't Sony releasing a horror movie he did now almost entirely out of spite? To be like, no, 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 we've got the new James Gunn project. I think so. I think so. 
yeah, there seems to be a lot of that going on. Uh, another thing I found out uh, that the delay in Guardians 3 is actually going to affect, and I never even considered this, uh, the Disney Parks, Epcot, is actually supposed to be undergoing a major uh, redesign to match with Guardians of the Galaxy, and they were supposed to have a bunch of new rides and attractions to come oh, okay. out. Yeah, to come out to coincide with Guardians 3. Now Guardians 3 is behind schedule, and they've already pumped a bunch of money into the park. Yeah, oh, fuck, what do we do? See, this, this is the thing. They, they, they did it too soon. They did it, like, like, literally hours after all this stuff about him came out. And, yeah, they didn't sit down and consider it all these... Think ramifications of not hiring this guy or like firing him would yeah. do. And and again, I looked into this even deeper. I'm like, okay, well, who is the actual person to blame here? Who is the actual one to point a finger to? Because again, because it wasn't Phage, it wasn't Iger, it wasn't any of these other people. These were people who got brought in later to you know give the ultimate decision. Uh, apparently, it was uh, I don't know if he's a producer or an executive producer or what his deal is or an executive. Uh, Alan Horn is his name. Alan Horn is essentially the one who everyone is pointing fingers to now and the one that is being uh, more or less thrown under the bus even by Disney. Apparently it was his call. Yeah, it, it makes sense. He's like the big the big boss, I think, sort of like where Ike Perlmutter was or something. Right, and everyone's saying where it's like, well, is Disney going to maybe punish him now for fucking up the way he did by not getting the full story? No, actually, but you know why they're not going to do that? Yeah, why? Uh, he's going to be retiring in a couple months anyway. <laughs> so literally... So, yeah, they just have to sort of wait him out, maybe. Yeah, so basically what this came down to is a bunch of cyber shitheads, a bunch of, like, white nationalists, whatever the fuck you want to call them, got mad at James Gunn because he dare offend President Fuck Muppet, and because of that dug up old tweets to get him fired... And because an old man executive saw them, and because old man executive Alan Horn didn't understand the internet, it's like, oh, this is bad, he's gotta go then. And then, now here is where we are, all this time later, to where now Guardians 3 is in an indefinite delay, an indefinite stoppage until who knows when. I wonder if anyone pointed out to him that, like, these tweets were old, as well as they he apologized for them, what, mm. Five years ago or something. How uh, how old is Alan Horn? Let's let's look that uh, up right uh, now. He's you know 120 years old or something. He's like I don't understand the internet, the Twitter machine. Oh, he's 75. He's 75 years old. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the internet. Ten years ago, I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. <laughs> remember when movies were black and white? I do. Can we go back to that? <laughs> Would people like a black and white silent Guardians? No, Alan, no. <laughs> and again, too, he probably didn't care. He's probably like, oops, well, I'm retiring soon. Yeah. Oh, no, what a shame. I'll wipe my eyes with all this money. Yeah, oops, I did bad, I guess. Guess you can't punish me because I'm not sticking around long enough to be punished. <laughs> but no cake for you, Alan. We were all going to have cake, and now you don't get cake. Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, if, when he does leave, what's stopping them from rehiring him? I mean, you would hope nothing. Maybe that's their long game, where it's like, let's just wait for the guy who fired him to, yeah, to retire, and then maybe bring him back. I don't know if, you know, like, yeah. if Phage and Iger felt like they needed to be loyal to this guy, that, you know, for it all to work, they needed 
to say that yeah well maybe they didn't want to rock the boat too much because like if he's willing to do this like what else is he willing to do like he could have easily said well you can go with him kevin (laughs) you know yeah there's there's a lot we don't know about this and probably a lot we won't know until much later but yeah again this this is just the story that continues to give and continues to evolve and continues to change yeah but hey, you know what? On some happier Marvel news, uh, we can then go over to some comic book news. Uh, it was announced this week the original Defenders team lineup will be returning in a brand new, uh, I think like five to six part miniseries called The Best Defense. Sounds pretty cool. I, I really like the push they've been doing with the Defenders lately. Yeah, of course, the original Defenders, for those of you who don't remember, are not the ones connected to the show, and not even the ones connected to the Bendis book that was written a while ago. Yeah. We're talking the OG Defenders, who are like Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, the Hulk, Namor. Yeah, yeah. Really exciting. That's really cool that we've gotten all these like different iterations of the Defenders coming out like yeah. within the space of a couple of months of each other. It's true. You, you got to wonder, too, where it's like, hmm, you know, why why are they dusting off the Defenders property right now? Is this is this another middle finger to Brian Michael Bendis now that he's gone? Where it's like, your Defenders don't <laughs> matter. They didn't happen. These are the real Defenders. Or is this them saying to themselves, hey, we got Fantastic Four back. We could possibly try and do something with Namor. Maybe once the Avengers have run their course, do we want to do a Defenders movie? Maybe. Maybe. That's Good. definitely a possibility. I respect this, too, for being a miniseries. Marvel's being really good about that recently, where it's like, you know, maybe maybe let's not rush into a full series order yet. Let's just do a mini, see if people really like it. If there's a demand for it, then we'll do it. Yeah. So I'm definitely cool for that, especially because it's Hulk on a team, because Hulk isn't on a team currently. Yeah, that that would be yeah. Well, Hulk's in like a weird place where like his his ongoing is like kind of disconnected from yeah. everything. He's but, trying uh, to yeah, run it'll away. be it'll be good to see him come back and interact with everyone. Hulk will also apparently be on Loki's Cosmic Avengers, which is gonna be something for Infinity later on. Yeah, that team that team was like so out of left field, like yeah. the the composition of that team. Loki, Hulk, Emma Frost, Miss Marvel. Okay, nice to see she's an event. Yeah, didn't I have Kang as well? Yes, and Kang was on it too, and also yeah. Kang. <laughs> A Kang, because we have one on Exiles as well. That's true. We also have the Kang running around in this event, who is dressed up like Iron Lad, but they're referring yeah. to as Kang, but not Iron Lad. <laughs> That's the, that was really confusing, because I was like, oh, is this the Iron Lad from Exiles, or is this Kang, or is this what what's going on yeah <laughs> which which kang is this <laughs> i just like to think he opened his closet and that's what he's got well i could be a pharaoh today i could be kang the conglomerator or i could be iron lad i'll be iron lad <laughs> that'll be fun uh speaking of other fun and interesting things coming from marvel right now it was announced uh this week kind of out of the blue i forgot that they had teased this but uh marvel got the rights to conan the barbarian back and they're going to start mm. printing Conan the Barbarian books again. And the writer is kind of the perfect writer. It's going to be Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Azir are going to be doing the uh, the art for this one. So the book's going to look amazing and it's going to be written amazingly. It's a perfect writer for it as well. Yes. And in fact, you could tell 
this is a passion project for Aaron. He's like, uh, I don't know if you could tell from all my other sword and sorcery fantasy work, <laughs> but I really like Conan the Barbarian. And then he showed like his stack of Conan books and comics. I, I, I really like Conan, everybody. I'm going to write good Conan <laughs> stories, I promise. Uh, since they've announced this, I'm probably definitely going to be reading it now. I'll check it out. I mean, you know, Conan is such like, you know, arch fantasy and, you know, like, so many things you love have been inspired by Conan the Barbarian, either the original stories or the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, we don't talk about the Jason Momoa movie. No one, no, no one even knows that's a thing, Matt. That never happens. <laughs> that, and now he's Aquaman. <laughs> what, a, what a weird career trajectory he has he had, right? <laughs> I'm the king of the Dothraki. I'm a barbarian. I'm the king of Atlantis. <laughs> And other stuff in between, but mostly those things. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely cool. And also, they seek to be implying, yeah, Conan's totally in the Marvel Universe now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what really interested me, that, like, they've they've kind of, like, shifted his history and everything into it. It's going to be interesting how they build on that, especially with what... I wonder if they, that might be, like tied in with like his like avengers stuff or something somehow maybe i mean i'm sure that'll be a crossover at some point because conan that'd be so awesome (laughs) and also here's the thing too conan was in marvel continuity before once upon a time there's actually some characters who are still running around who have had interactions with conan and it'll be interesting if those get mentioned again it's like oh yeah conan i remember that guy i i'd love to see see conan interact with that um with Odin's Avengers team. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Again, you know, again, because Aaron's right in both. That's probably going to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for say I, Avengers, we have come to Hyperia. <laughs> how, how did this happen? It did. <laughs> Don't think about it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that sounds really fun. Good for Aaron. This almost feels like Aaron's reward for doing so good at Marvel for the last little bit, where it's like, look, Jason, we used some of our money and bought the rights to Conan back. Yeah, just for you. Just for you, buddy. <laughs> you you keep doing you. So, yeah, that's that's some fun news there. Uh, from the world of comics to the world of TV, uh, the CW shows are going to be starting back up again very soon, and uh, they already cast the first brand-new villain uh, for the Flash show, He's going to be fighting Ragdoll, one of my favorite comedy relief characters from Secret Six. And, uh, of course, if you know Ragdoll from the comics, he's a creepy, fucked-up contortionist, and they cast a real contortionist if, for the role. Yeah, they cast, like, a like an America's, America's Got Talent contestant or something? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how being a contortionist will be able to fight a super-fast man, but they'll find a way. He can contort around... The Flash, I guess, yeah, try try and run when I'm, like, all up and in under your crotch and around your neck and stuff. Did, did we end up talking about the new Flash costume? No, I don't think we did. I know a lot of people gave Grant Gustin shit about it on Instagram, saying he looked fat, and that really hurt his feelings. See, I, I, I kind of think the opposite. I don't think he, he really has the pronounced jawline to mm. work with that sort of... The mask, the, the comic mask that they're trying to do with where he doesn't have the chin strap. Yeah, I, I like that they're going or they're trying to go more comic accurate. Yeah, I, I agree that this many seasons in it was time to upgrade the suit. No, it doesn't look great. But yeah, those people were assholes for talking shit <laughs> yeah. about Grant Gustin. <laughs> and to be fair, it was like a, a photo that was like 
taken without his knowledge or something that like too. in while well, in like a costume fitting or something yeah. it's like guys yeah. i didn't have time to suck in it was a cheat meal day fuck off <laughs> you know how hard it is to keep up this physique really hard <laughs> i just i just wanted a donut that day assholes <laughs> have you seen craft services it's rows and rows of amazing food for teamsters that i never get to eat <laughs> I walk by and I smell it so often, but that's about it. Uh, then I got that Amel jerk over there. He's just made of abs. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, but that's actually not all the CW news we have, Matt. Uh, we actually got uh, some confirmation uh, about some stuff for the next big CW crossover. It's going to be called Batwoman Begins, so she is going to be the focal point. Mm-hmm. Of this event, which we basically already gleamed because we knew she was going to be in it. I didn't think she'd be the focal point of it, but there you go. The other big important thing is that, uh, yes, the CW Superman will be in it, but more importantly than that, we will be seeing the debut of the CW Universe Lois Lane as well. About damn time. I'm surprised we haven't had it sooner. Yeah. I like that they know this is a big deal. Where it's like, hey, and we're going to show you Lois. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's about time it's about time and i'm glad the superman's coming back and as well he's got scenes with flash and green arrow so he's actually nice. involved in the actual crossover so now it actually just basically is a full-on justice league now basically you know fuck the movies this is where it's at this this is the real justice league you tried movies but cw beat you to it i'm sorry I'm bad. I, I wouldn't put it past them if, like, somehow, like, this gets really good ratings, and I think it will, oh, yeah. considering that the content and everything on it, that, like, they might pitch, like, as well as, like, the Batwoman show, maybe Superman coming back in a bit more, and with, and I'm wondering as well, maybe this has something to do with that Metropolis thing they were building up. Right. With Since they're introducing Lois Lane, I know they were, like, re, rejiggering that since the, the, original premise didn't work so maybe this is CW like a CW show or was that an app well, show they're all done by greg berlanti's production right. company i'm losing track of all these dc shows now with all these different continuity some are on cw some are on fox some are on the app are they in continuity well the cw ones are and then whatever <laughs> show fails on the other networks will bring in like constantine <laughs> wasn't in continuity but now constantine is in continuity and supergirl wasn't in continuity but now she is <laughs> hey it's almost as confusing as real comics mm, it is we finally reached that point matt superhero television <laughs> is almost as much of a headache as reading the comics it's getting there it's getting there man at what point and follow me on this at what point how long do the cw shows need to run where they eventually go hey guys our big crossover this year is crisis on infinite universes we are literally gonna crisis this shit now i wouldn't put it past them remember they st they still have to build up to that thing that keeps getting teased in the flash you know the flash disappears in a crisis or is or yeah. are they or are they considering that that flashpoint thing that maybe they were but they could always always move the goal lines and be like no 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 no. that that was a fake one the real crisis is still coming because yeah, I don't, I can't remember if that was that ever referenced after that. Because I know Iris wrote that paper, but then That's she right. didn't because she didn't have a job for some reason. <laughs> Wouldn't it be some shit if it's like season seven of Flash or like season six, and they're like, okay, big crossover, Anti Monitor is gonna be the villain now. 
Yes, please. <laughs> and we're just going to straight up do an adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths with all these other characters. And Barry will die and Wally will become the new Flash, but maybe not TV Wally because he can't seem to make up his mind about what show he wants to be on. Yeah, so we'll get like another person to play Wally, but it'll be the rebirth Wally. We'll do we'll do the comics thing. We'll actually have oh, this is your other cousin named Wallace who is a redhead <laughs> from another city. You didn't know you had another cousin, but you have another cousin. <laughs> no, I know they can do Bart Allen. Bart Allen can come back in time, and they'll just tweak it a little bit. Yeah, so Bart will be the new Flash. There you go. And then you start off with like a new Flash on a different side of the city with a whole new cast. And maybe some returning ones, and there you go, and that's your Crisis Flash. There you go. And then Feel free to use that CW. Hey, we, we called Dominators, we called all this other shit that ended up happening, so why not? <laughs> why, why can't this happen in a couple seasons? Look, if in a couple seasons this happens, they owe Matt and me money. <laughs> you know, then you could reboot Legends with a brand new team of actors and a brand new team of characters and treat it as a number one. I don't know what you would do for Green Arrow, because he was the first one. I, I don't know, maybe, like, do it right this time? <laughs> yeah. There was another Green Arrow on the island, and it was the proper one. Yes. <laughs> He's still on the island. Yes, we, we we just slightly retell his story, but now it's actually like the comics, and not trying so hard to be Batman Begins for the first few seasons. <laughs> It, and, and I know it feels weird to talk shit about Arrow all this time later because it actually did give help give birth to these other shows that we do like. And yes, he does fill the Batman role. And yes, we get this, that, and the other. And Stephen Amell's a nice guy in real life. And da 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 da. da. But it's not my Green Arrow, damn it. Well, and now with Batwoman, there there should be a Batman on TV. So like, he, he should just go fill the Green Arrow role like he should be doing. I know, right? Or, I don't know, or, like, take him out and put someone else in his place. Like, I don't know, like, fucking Blue Beetle is the new thing now. But, like, the Ted Cord version. Yeah. Isn't Ted Cord, though, dead in, oh. like, the... Oh, yeah, that's right. In the Flash CW universe or that's, something? That's okay. We're crisising it. He can come back to life now. <laughs> we can bring back everyone. It's fine. It's a crisis. We can do whatever. <laughs> Which, again, once TV writers get to that point where it's like, wait, we can do whatever? We can basically just start from scratch? Yes. And people will accept it? Well, comic fans will accept it. I don't know about TV fans, but comic fans have been accepting it every five to eight years for like the last 75 years. <laughs> Wait, and that means we can basically retell old stories in new ways and people will buy them and treat them like they're new? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And people will be excited when we bring back things they remember and are familiar with? Yes. <laughs> and people will continue to argue about which one was better? Yes. <laughs> And that in and of itself will form whole cottage industries? Yes. Now, you, now you're thinking with comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And hey, uh, speaking of thinking with comics and things that people argue about, did you hear uh, Joaquin Phoenix finally opened up about one of the three Joker movies that are happening? I know. It sounds like he's going to go full Joker, like, you know, Jared Leto and everyone did. Mm, he's already come out and said that he doesn't care what you think about him as the Joker. Well, that's a great place to start, Joaquin. Oh, definitely, definitely. Just, you know, piss all over the people that are actually going to go see this movie. And, yeah. And, and then, again, I wonder if we're going to get all those stories like we did with Suicide oh, Squad yeah. where, you know, they needed an on-set therapist because it was too gritty and all that sort of stuff. 
I mean, the thing about Joaquin Phoenix is I believe that because he pretended to be a rapper for a year and quit Hollywood. <laughs> I already know he's crazy. Yeah, remember how that turned out? Yeah. I mean, I do believe he's crazy. Like that, what was it? Like that Letterman interview is more terrifying than anything Jared Leto ever did. He, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix is way more fucking method of an actor. <laughs> I'll make you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, did you hear Joaquin Phoenix? He was just biting the heads off chickens randomly for no reason. <laughs> He's just, I, don't, I don't know where the chickens came from. <laughs> I think he brought them from home. <laughs> do we do we need to get PETA involved with that? Or is that like, you know, is, is, is that protected as some sort of like art act? <laughs> oh, and then he started rapping about it. It was really weird. And we kept telling him the Joker doesn't have a beard, but he was going to keep the beard. Yeah, he colored it green. <laughs> we tried to stop him, but he overpowered us. He's actually quite strong, Walking Phoenix. <laughs> he also demanded to not wear pants for many of the takes, which, you know, we kind of had a problem with. But again, he's method, man. Yeah, we had to CGI on the pants. <laughs> we got the same guy who did the mustache tech. We promise he got much better in between movies. <laughs> Just why do his legs look so weird? Yeah, because they had to CG on pants. Why? Because for another role, he didn't have to wear pants. <laughs> God, man, these three Joker movies, they why do I feel they're going to be fantastic train wrecks? Uh, because they're just, like, there's no thought behind them other than it's the Joker. This He'll a, make us money. This is a marketable character. When Heath Ledger did it, that was all people talked about. Yeah, but it was also in a pretty good movie, too. And people forget Ledger's actually in very little of The Dark Knight. He's like the shark in Jaws. He's in it just as much as he needs to be. Exactly. The movie wasn't about him. It just happened to have him in it. <laughs> but once again, much like Fight Club, people walked away with all the wrong messages from the movie. Yeah, and and again, like with the, with these movies, they all seem to be like origin films or something joker doesn't need an origin in fact he's that's the re that's the reason why he's so interesting is because he never has one specific one they're, they're like he was a comedian or he was a bank robber or what was he you don't know yeah his, his whole character exists to buck the trend of origin stories for characters but let's give him three different ones <laughs> yeah and we'll see which one does well and then make that a franchise Sure. He can go fight Superman. Sure, why not? Yeah, then we'll have Joker v. Superman. Sure, why not? Also, I think you mean Supergirl because the Man of Steel franchise is officially dead now. We know that. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, oh, that Supergirl on TV is doing well. We'll make a Supergirl cinematic universe because that, sure. that'll work. Her, her entire history isn't just, you know, based solely around superman and the superman family you know we can do it without that that's fine i mean we couldn't do it with superman so surely we can do it without <laughs> i mean that'll be easy right <laughs> man it's gonna be really weird when next year when shazam and aquaman are the most popular dc characters in the universe <laughs> bet you didn't see that coming did you oh jeez. <laughs> A universe led by Aquaman and Shazam. What bold, interesting times we live in. It It's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. I know, that these are going to be the DC ones that there's a good chance people are going to like. 
Yeah, especially with Shazam, where it's like, we'll just make it like Superman. And it's like, well, you're bad to Superman. Why not just make Superman like Superman? Yeah, that what, that's what blows me away. What if we make it like Superman? Guys, you you have a Superman. You don't need to make it like... You own the rights to Superman. Nah, people will never buy a Superman that's like Superman. We have to make Superman movies that are everything but Superman. They'd expect that, you see, Matt. <laughs> Gotta work around expectations. You just can't give people what they want. <laughs> what what are we iron man <laughs> can't make a movie about a man in an iron suit dealing with issues we certainly can't make three of them yeah. if we made another superman film then what would Zack snyder talk about on vero that's right his, he'd have nothing to talk about <laughs> that's right his twitter thing that's not quite twitter because he refuses to come on regular twitter yeah <laughs> just another weird idiosyncrat uh, uh, idiosyncrasy of the fellow where it's like really man you don't you don't believe in real twitter okay no i believe in Anne rand twitter i believe in Anne rand <laughs> that's my thing too i'm like well if he's on it is there like an is there like a randian undercurrent to it i need to know about because i know they were <laughs> handing out like free vero accounts a while ago and i'm like do i need to get one because like everyone seems really into it but i feel like in a week everyone's just gonna come back to twitter yeah, well, I don't hear about it other than him. He's, like, the only one who uses it by the sounds of it. Which makes me think, is he a celebrity endorsement? Has he worked out a deal with them if he keeps mentioning it? Probably. Yeah. Now, that being said, if Vero is out there and would like to sponsor the comic multiverse, we will be the official comic book podcast of Vero, if you'll let us. <laughs> only on Vero. But, of course, knowing me, Matt, and how long it takes me to pick up, like, a new system and pick up, like, a new... Uh, social media outlet if it's anything like itunes it'll take us two years but we'll get on Vero. <laughs> also thank you everyone who's been listening to the show on itunes and leaving uh what is it reviews and star ratings the comic multiverse is actually searchable now on itunes because of that Woo! yay we've we finally joined everyone else matt what what other worlds <laughs> are there to conquer after itunes uh i don't Sti- know stitcher iHeartRadio. <laughs> Which are basically just like SoundCloud anyway. Yeah, what are some of like MySpace? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll build a time machine and go back and conquer MySpace. Spotify. Oh, yeah. Man, Matt, if we could take the show as it is now, our 100-plus episodes, go back to a time when podcasting wasn't as big and have the comic <laughs> multiverse be the original comic book podcast of the internet. Everyone would be mad because we'd be talking about things that won't happen for at least another 15 years. Like, what the fuck are they doing? No Guardians of the Galaxy. Who the fuck are they? Yeah, you're right. That would be the Superman problem. Superman on TV? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's the problem with having our show be so news-focused, is it right, Matt? Our, our, our old episodes, how do you go back and join them when it's so linked to the past? <laughs> when the fuck did an Ant-Man movie come out? Why are they doing a review on it? <laughs> <laughs> Just to confuse the shit out of people, it would be like, you know, at least with, like, the sports almanac with Back to the Future, like, that's understandable (laughs) and easy. We go back with content from the future just to blow people's minds. (laughs) And in doing so, we create a butterfly effect so those things never happen, and then the podcast, you know, stops existing. We fade into dust. Oh, no, I don't feel so good. (laughs) And then we died. Aw. Uh, some more news here we got going on. Uh, Hans Zimmer has decided to come out of self-imposed superhero film retirement to score Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, I already know what the score's gonna be like. I'll just load up the Dark Knight score and the Batman vs. Superman score. 
That's exactly what it'll sound like. I guarantee you. Even though it's in the 80s, yeah. though. Oh, the, 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 the drums will have a slight synth there sort you. of vibe to it. That's it. <laughs> that's, what it, that's all it'll be. I guarantee it. Hans, you've done it again. <laughs> I, I love this idea, too. They're like, he comes out of retirement, like like he's the old gunslinger drinking whiskey in a bar with his hat down. No, I don't do that anymore. I don't score those superhero movies never again. Glug, glug, glug. But we need you, huh? <laughs> yeah, we fired Junkie XL. Yeah, because his name was Junkie XL. <laughs> <laughs> To which Hans is like, don't make me do it. Don't you bring that evil out of me. And then he goes out at night in the rain and he digs up a box and it's filled with all of his instruments and software. <laughs> yeah. To make me... buried, buried near the train tracks. Yeah, really. And then he just screams up to the sky. <laughs> and, and then he just goes back home and he loads up a disc and it's like, okay, here's all my unused Batman v Superman and uh, other stuff. Okay, click. There you go. There's this. <laughs> yeah, just put a noise reduction on it, and we're good. <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> well, wow, Hans, you did it so quickly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the best. What can I say? I'm, I'm really, really good. I, I like to imagine Danny Elfman does that every time there's a new Tim Burton movie. Where it's like, uh, uh, whoa, 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 what do I do? Um, oh, here I got all these unused files. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> and again, Burton's like, I love it, Danny. It's your best work yet. Yep, yep, I agree. <laughs> is is, uh, is Danny Elfman scoring that new Tim Burton Dumbo movie that's coming out? I feel like he must. Probably. Also, why is Tim Burton making a live-action Dumbo movie? Because people still think Tim Burton movies make money. <laughs> Disney has just they gone, don't. Disney has gone mad with these live action remakes, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Some are good. Some are pretty bad, though. I liked the Jungle Book one. That one was pretty solid. Beauty and the Beast was pretty good. Yeah, that one had some pretty fun moments in it. There, some cool special effects. Even if they tweak the story to kind of make it feel like where it's like, well, let's explain all these things that never needed explaining. And then what was yeah. the other one? I feel like there's a third one I'm missing. Oh, uh, I guess Maleficent technically, but they were doing that yeah. before this. Yeah. And Maleficent is more of a reimagining than it is like a straight up adaptation. Yeah. The Mulan one looks cool. I always liked Mulan. I always thought Mulan was kind of underrated. Yeah, that, that, that new Mulan looks actually pretty good. Yeah. I think the problem with Mulan and the reason why people always rank it lower is that it really only maybe has like one or two great songs where like Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King, every song is like a triple A kick your ass song. Yeah. Also, I just looked up that new Dumbo movie. Guess who's doing the music? Is it, is it Mr. Elfman? <laughs> yep. How, how did we know? <laughs> We are the Nostradamuses of comics. We did it again, Matt. Nostra comics over here. <laughs> we figured it out. Uh, and uh, I guess our final story here that will take us perfectly into what we read this week. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders announced as a brand new spinoff. Also written by Brian Edward Hill. Spinning out of the pages of this last Detective Comics run that ended this week. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. fine. I did not like this new arc. Like it didn't all. probably need as much like follow on as it did, but yeah, it, 
I, I'll talk about that, like the newest issue when we do talk about it. But yeah. Well, let's hop right on into it because that's uh, that's it for news this week. Alrighty. Yeah. So Detective Comics what was it issue nine hundred and eighty-seven? Yes, that was the one. Yeah. So the end of this Outsiders arc that probably should have ended two issues ago, maybe. This very easily could have been three. They were definitely stretching this one way longer than it needed to be stretched. Yeah, which makes me think uh, the next uh, story arc was kind of delayed or something, or or maybe like when they were bringing over Tomasi or something. Mm. Um, stall for time. Yeah. Stall for time. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, he, Katana's involvement was not needed. She no. didn't do anything. No, she didn't. I oh, When no. it was implied that you'd, you'd find Batman learning something from her, but she's like, ah, oh, just do what you did just before. Yeah. That worked. Oh, oh, no, wait, she does one very specific thing, Matt. In the last issue, they're like, oh, you need Katana. You need a true master who will help you defeat Karma Batman. What's, what, 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 what's Katana's great samurai insight? Uh, if he's reading your mind, just, uh, just think bad thoughts and that'll fuck him up. <laughs> and Batman's like, cool, I'll do that. Oh shit, it worked. Yeah, cool, I'll do what I did the last issue that I see, it seemed to work, and I figured that out without you because I'm a detective. Yeah, that's amazing too, it's like, oh, how am I ever gonna defeat Karma, this horrible foe? Dude, you defeated him last issue, you just didn't follow up on it. <laughs> Yeah, you you didn't follow up. You, you made him leave the building. You could have just you could have ended it right there, but no, we needed this extra issue where he kidnaps one person at Wayne Manor yeah. at Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, from I'm going to kill all these children unless you kill your sidekicks to I'm going to kidnap this one man until you something. <laughs> also, I because you know this one man, and he has a wife, and yes. he seems very integral, very, even though he's not. Also, I love Karma revealed to be a giant hypocrite. Your sidekicks make you weak. Real heroes and real men's don't accept help. Ah, uh, yes, I hired this mercenary army to help me take over this building. Uh, I'm a giant hypocrite. Yeah, they can kill the sidekicks. That's all good. <laughs> but but Batman is mine because I want revenge on him. But I love Batman. I'm like, wow, they really lost the thread with this character. It gets even crazier because batman and his team are totally over karma because they're already busy trying to set up the villain for this spin-off book where they're like oh yeah. this lady she's a markovian arms dealer oh alien tech and all this other stuff oh she's she's real bad unfortunately i don't have time to stop her but you know black lightning you and them could go stop her if you wanted that's what i that that was like the weird thing like at the start of this issue where they're having like that briefing in the back cave i'm like there's a villain out there running around who knows who batman is and is trying to kill it why are you in here talking about this other woman mm -hmm. with a laser eye like go fucking catch him first yep because we, <laughs> we gotta set up this other book oh you know what else is wonderfully dumb uh, i got into this in the comment section a lot this might have been an art mistake or this might have just been a massive fuck up i'll let you decide matt uh seemingly jefferson says hey katana is it true your husband's soul is in your sword even though they implied the Outsiders was already a team, so Black Lightning should know her and should know that that's a thing. wonder if they may be going to say, like, oh, it was someone else as Katana or something. Maybe something dumb like that. Some people said, oh, I think that's Duke asking the question. Maybe the artist just doesn't know how to draw black people, which is really insulting considering a black man is writing the book. But no, it was clearly Jefferson because his shirt was blue and Duke's shirt yeah. was yellow. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I like that they did include the signal. It's like, hey, remember me? Yeah, remember I have a power? And also, too, I, <laughs> I, I like that the whole trajectory of this story was supposed to be, okay, villain comes in, questions Batman's use of sidekicks. Batman pushes them away to try and protect them. Surely he will bring them close to himself at the end of the comic, and that will be the moral of the story. No. That 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 is what I was saying. I I did like that he sort of learnt that he he needed them, but like he's learnt that before. But as well, like yeah, I was expecting like did like at the at the end of last issue how they stopped that bomb. It was like the, sort of a teamwork sort of thing. Yes. And I thought like at the end of this, they're all going to go after after Karma, and it's going to be really cool. You're going to get cool splash pages and stuff. But uh, that didn't happen. Yeah. Also, d- did he learn the importance of teamwork? Because he tells them they can't go on this mission, despite the fact that they've been on every mission up until this point and have saved <laughs> his life numerous times. And then at the end, he doesn't apologize to Barbara for running her off. He doesn't apologize to any of uh, the sidekicks for treating them bad. And then he pawns off Duke and Orphan, the two sidekicks without a book, to Black Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, you know, they went to Tom King for some some pointers and he's like ah fuck them yeah fuck them clearly also too i feel really vindicated i remember in the first issue of this story someone got really mad at me in the comment section for talking shit about uh the other members of the outsiders geoforce and uh halo uh apparently dc thinks they're shitty too because they're not even going to be on the new team it's going to be orphan and signal (laughs) taking their place oh fucking signal yeah, god fuck. damn it stop making trying to make him a thing he's lame burn i think I, he had every chance in the world it's just exactly he had every chance in the world it's just for some reason he just he just can't seem to catch fire i want to like duke i like duke a lot of the time but it just seems like i yeah. like duke as duke not duke as signal <laughs> not duke as signal that would be interesting if they just had duke hang out just as like a guy yeah because like he doesn't seem like overly like good at what he does i mean he was like the first sort of quote-unquote casualty of of karma and it was like a really simple thing that he probably that like someone more experienced would have pointed out like nightwing wouldn't have gotten caught off guard or anything yeah i I think the problem with duke is that they're trying to make him a robin in a non-robin age yeah is the just like a partner for batman but it's not robin yeah, which they've tried before with other characters, and I think it shows that it, it really doesn't work, and like maybe we're at a cap for Robbins, and I can understand him being like, no, I'm your equal, I'm your partner, I'm not your ward, I'm this, that, and the other thing, but again, they never they never follow up on it. Yeah, well, they, and as well, they never really show why he's supposed to be his equal and everything. They just sort of imply it. And then it probably didn't help as well that Scott Snyder built him up in, like, the early issues of, like, Metal and the Forge and the casting is like, an integral part where really he wasn't. He, like, faded away after, like, those two, uh, yeah. like, primer issues. Which, which makes me think, too, that even Scott Snyder, his creator, doesn't know what to do with him. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, too, because that's the second new sidekick character he tried to create. It's like, hey, didn't you and Tynan also create Harper Rote? Yes. Hey, what happened to her? Shut up. Uh, Tynan (laughs) remembers her. Tynan remembers to put her in the background of stuff. (laughs) Which I'm cool with. I liked her, too. But again, just... I, I'm clearly not everybody else. But yeah, that's <laughs> that was Detective Comics. I thought the whole thing was super lame from start to finish. I'm so glad. Uh, what is it? Who, who's coming on next after this? James Robinson? I believe so, yeah. I James Robinson's arc can't start soon enough. Apparently it's going to be focused on Two-Face and D-list villains, and you know I like that. Fantastic. 
yeah, we we need a good Batman story. It's been so long. Like it's been a hard ride where both <laughs> Detective and Batman have kind of been shitting the bed at the same time. Well, at least you can say for the Detective, it's not shitting the bed as much as the main Batman book is. Whereas that like that just like forgets things and forgets fundamental parts of Batman just for the sake of Tom King going, eh, I don't care. And Batman sucks. And then you'll be enjoying it, and then he'll undercut everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whereas at least, like, these stories, like, the Outsiders had, like, a beginning, middle, and end. Sure, it could have gone a lot, like, quicker, like, mm-hmm. maybe two or three issues, and not, what, what was it, four or five issues? No, I think it was five by the end. Yeah, it, it could have done that, but yeah, at least it's, it's a bit better than Batman in that, in that regards. It was also annoying, too, because we had a much better idea for this story in our head where karma was revealed to be the internet youtuber guy seriously that's that's what it would look like i wonder if they changed they that was like uh, like a thing and maybe they maybe. changed it maybe because it seems so obvious that that's yeah. where they were going with it and again i want i wanted it to be the youtuber guy because he was clearly just an amalgamation of everyone i know and work with online <laughs> well yeah see and I have to think it's that because this the, this whole Makovia story just came out of like nowhere. Yeah, like like it, like somehow Batman just remembers this guy he fought years ago. It's like oh, it could be that guy. I don't know why it would be that guy, but it could be that guy. I think it's that guy. Which again, Makovia, the place where Geo Force is king slash prince of another founding member of the Outsiders. <laughs> it also made me think like he was going to be in the story. No, we'll mention his country several times, and he'll never show up. Yeah. Hell, we'll, and, we'll name hell it would have been cool if Karma was Geoforce. Oh, that would have been cool too. And he's like, I'm sick of everyone making fun of me. <laughs> I'm sick of everyone telling me I'm the worst outsider. And that's what brings the outsiders together because whatever our old teammates goes rogue. <laughs> that would have been fine. In fact, like, it's clear Hill knows a thing or two about original outsiders because uh, Laser Eye Lady uh, talks to a dude named Roderick. Roderick was a villain from the original Outsiders run. He was a vampire. Yeah. So clearly he knows his shit. It's just like, I don't know, just this whole thing. I didn't I didn't like it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> well then let's 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 talk about action comics then this was better this was actually really good this is brian michael bendis's element yes this is very much bendis writing in his element it's crime it's corruption it's the city beat it's all these things he really seems to enjoy it's him actually tinkering around with some fairly interesting ideas the main one being how do traditional criminals operate in Metropolis with a demigod hanging over their head? And the answer is they have to get creative. And they do get creative uh, by setting fires around the place and drawing Superman away while they go, you know, smuggle their drugs and illegal immigrants over here. Yeah, which really, really pisses Superman off to know that, that they burnt down those buildings because of him. Yeah, just just for for nothing, basically. Yeah, like uh, a lot of times when writers write Superman having an emotional outburst, it always feels forced and kind of wrong. Here, I actually believed it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he would get mad. He would. That. He he got played. He got played, and he like, realized it because it was something so simple, and he didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that they that he Brian brought back the original guardian jim harper yeah that was a surprise i didn't see that coming it's nice that bendis remembers hey there's other superheroes running around metropolis than just superman yeah which is interesting because the last time we saw jim harper he died yeah, um but bendis and, uh, that. 
I, it it's going to be interesting to see if this is like Jim Harper or Jim Harper's clone, That's right. uh, which is running around for a while. I'm glad though it's not the new Fifty Two version, which was like this weird thing that was like sent after that that weird Superboy they had. Oh yeah, yeah. And his his name was Michael, quote unquote, and he was like a uh, basically a robot. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, that was that was kind of lame. Yeah, I, I like that he he came he came back and yeah he's he's fighting the street crime. I'd love to see him and Superman team up. I think that's where they're going with this, and I like this idea too of Guardian being like, yeah, Superman, when you're stopping meteors and saving the world from alien invasions and everything, I'm the guy fighting drug dealers and bank robbers and everything in Metropolis that you kind of can't be bothered <laughs> to half the time. Yeah, the 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 quote unquote lowly criminals. Yeah, which and, uh, which are which, which for all intents and purposes are worse than like meteors and everything. <laughs> arguably, because they traffic in death and destruction. Which again, that would be funny too for Superman to be like, "Oh, you've been operating in the city the whole time under my nose, and and I didn't know." <laughs> well, I have to think he does know the Guardian is around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think so. It's like, man, you'd be really bad at your job if you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Bendis actually does like a really good job of like bringing uh, like the people around like Superman back. He brought him back. He brought Maggie Sawyer back. Yes. Uh, I think Dan Turpin was in one scene. Yes, he was. Um, uh, we got Cat Grant coming back. That which was, was really fun. Cool. I wasn't expecting to see her come back. She has a really fun scene here. Yeah, which she, she spoils that Lois is back. <laughs> uh oh, and that she's also writing a tell-all book, probably about you, Superman. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. I love to Lois trying to be incognito with like a blonde wig and everything. Yeah, yeah, and her husband still finds her. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Lois, we need to talk. Also, where's my son? <laughs> <laughs> that next issue is going to be really good. I, I can't wait to see what happens. Like, what, like, how did Lois get back to Earth? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why, why are you hiding from me? What's with the wig? Also, I noticed you got in and out and you didn't get any for me, so that's that's a real problem for Superman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes him more angry than being played by criminals. <laughs> yeah, that that makes me even more angry. This this whole issue basically broke down to how bad a day can Superman have. <laughs> and it was done really well. It wasn't done like, oh, Superman's depressed because mm. his wife and son are gone. It's like there's legitimate reasons why superman is angry yeah or uh, upset yeah the universe is just repeatedly kicking him in the balls in this issue (laughs) because it even starts early on when perry's like hey i don't trust this new robinson good lady uh that article was really you know kind of biased towards superman follow her and double check her story for clark to be like oh well that sounds really unethical and everything i wouldn't do that only for perry to say no no no, that's fine i had lois shadowing you and double checking every story (laughs) you've ever wrote (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's like oh geez <laughs> really and you never told me this fuck <laughs> <laughs> and then from that to finding out that they've been burning down buildings because of him and then finding out that his wife has been hiding from him and writing a tell-all book and it's just like wow bad day for superman uh and it's probably gonna get much worse because <laughs> doesn't robinson want kryptonite as well <laughs> yes for some reason which would seek to imply that she believes that uh superman is at the daily planet somewhere yeah and i i know he keeps like sort of implying that maybe like robinson is the red cloud but i, I reckon it's probably going to be that um fire chief mm. 
because we haven't seen her in a couple of issues. No, no, we haven't. That's fun. Yeah, see, I never thought of that, that Robinson Good would actually be the Red Cloud. That's very interesting, Matt. I never thought of that at all. See, we're, they're playing up like like she's a villain and, like, it, within that. So I think, like, oh, maybe they'll they'll do the old switcheroo and it'll be the right. redhead. Which is a very Bendis thing to do. Yeah, yeah. To be like, hey, you kind of had a crush on this woman. Guess what? She's a villain. She's actually Red Cloud. Yeah. Who they're doing a good job actually building the threat and menace of Red Cloud, where it's like, yeah, I'm a cloud. You can't punch me. You can't laser vision me. I'll crawl inside your lungs and kill you that way. Yeah, how are you going to defeat a cloud? (laughs) Yeah. How can you fight something that literally slips through your fingers like smoke? Yeah. That's okay. I'll call my friend Batman. He'll help. (laughs) you get the vacuum yeah yeah it's really oh here i got the special bat vacuum the bat dust buster (laughs) can you use that i sure can or or a really strong bat fan to blow you away (laughs) uh but yeah that that was fun it's nice to see that you know there's actually a bendis superman book out there that i'm liking and i feel that is kind of hitting its stride Again, I think like they should just take him off normal Superman, just keep him on this one, and just give normal Superman to someone else. It's funny that in his Superman book, Earth has been swallowed up by the Phantom Zone. There's this killer Rogelzar running around, and yet I was more invested in and stronger felt the drama in Superman having a bad day in this issue than I did in any of that other stuff. Because it, it's more personal. Yes. It's more like like grounded and personal, and it's like, oh, we have bad days, and Superman can have a bad day as well. Yeah, imagine. we can't. You, you know, we can't experience our planet folding into a prison zone mm-hmm. or, or fight warlords or anything imagine having a bad day but also having the power to punch holes in reality if you wanted yeah so yeah we, we can agree action comics the good bendis superman book here's hoping it continues to be yeah I, re- I really hope we don't get what we got in bendis's x-men near the latter days when he couldn't be asked anymore and he just totally forgot which one he was writing and events would just cross over back and forth with no rhyme or reason that's what I'm really worried for. Like, he's going to, like, not yet, but, like, maybe, like, in, like, a year. Like, if he's still on the books, like, just be like, fuck it. These yeah. two books are the same now. It happened with X-Men, and again, there was no editor to check him, but you could tell he just, he totally lost track of which book was supposed to be what and what was the identity and mission statement of either book. And it's just like, whatever, I'm just writing X-Men stories. Put them wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So what else did we have this week, Matt? Ah, uh, we had the Punisher issue yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. Matthew Rosenberg continuing. I like they call it Punisher number one, but this is actually like the beginning of his third Punisher volume. Yeah, but yeah, it's a good good jumping on point. It is. Even if you didn't read the War Machine stuff, this is a good place to start. You will appreciate it better if you read the War Machine stuff like I did, because this continues to build the basically mini-war that is taking place between Hydra, Baron Zemo, and Frank Castle. Yeah, yeah, Frank Frank decides to ditch the suit, or he kind of had to. It got um, taken from him. Yeah, um, and return to New York and just, like, fight fight criminals, but a higher class of criminals boy boy is it ever i like that idea that you know he's not in the war machine suit anymore 
but he's made more powerful enemies and he sees now where it's like, huh, you know, the drug dealer on the street, the human trafficker, the arms dealer, that's all bad and everything, but there's so much bad being done just in the open on the public stage right now by people in suits. Maybe I should go kill those people. <laughs> yeah, and he sets his sights first on Zemo and them trying to steal something. Mm-hmm. We're not sure what. Yeah, I, I assume they were stockpiling weapons because it's Baron Zemo who is working with Dario Agar, the head of Roxxon, who is a minotaur if you read the mm-hmm. Thor book because he's a long-standing villain over there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they get into bed further with the Mandarin. The Mandarin returns here. <laughs> Yeah, and they're they're trying they're doing crime, but they're like trying to do like like legitimate crime. It's, it's they're very, like you're going to be the face of of this yeah. organization. It's, and... it's very Mission Impossible. They're like, look, you know, what if we can get recognized as a nation by the UN? What if we create a rogue nation, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought that was really cool, and yeah, obviously, like people like Tony Stark know Mandarin is up to something, but. Don't really know what it'll be up to because Frank decides to kill him. <laughs> I mean, we assume killing him. He tried to stop it with his magic, and again, Mandarin's cheated death before, but that's, that sends a hell of a statement. Mandarin talking at the UN. He's like, recognize Bagalia as a nation. Headshot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like I like the build up to that with, with Frank like getting the the magic bullet yeah. that that killed that kills the Mandarin. How he like sneaks into that or sneak quote unquote with a tank into yeah. that facility, and um and uses all like their energy weapons to melt the people and oh, yeah. and all that sort of thing. I thought that was cool. And he he killed a guy named Zadarsky. He surely <laughs> did. It's funny too. You <laughs> notice that this Punisher actually looks less like John Bernthal than the one from the War Machine books did. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he was only Burnthal for an arc, now he's back to being traditional Punisher. Yeah, just normal New Yorker guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun book. I like it. Yeah, and I, I like as well that they're not they're not overly showing Frank, like he's not in every no. panel or anything. Like like at the start, like when he when he attacks that convoy at the mm-hmm. the the where they're unloading the boat, you only see him once like the truck crashes and he like executes that guy on the floor. And you only see like him in shadow and everything, mm-hmm. kinda like hey, he was a force of nature or something. Yeah, they write him like the boogeyman. He's there very, yeah. very sparingly, which is good for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say about this one? Uh, oh, uh, an interesting conversation that started in the comments section for this video. You know, the Punisher is a character where it feels like writers are always in a bit of a battle over should he be relevant and should he take part in what's going on with the superhero community or should he be off to his own side doing his own thing like Punisher Max and Marvel Knights and everything just fighting more traditional criminals. I would say this one definitely ends on the better side of like no let's actually make him an active participant in the marvel universe and let's have him fight hydra yeah yeah i like that and it's going to be interesting as well to see like because we see like at the end when they release like the footage of of the punisher leaving the the crime scene you see like nick fury and uh black widow and all that it'd be interesting to see like how like heroes react to this like well he's going after like hydra and all that do we like leave him or like do we go after him like what do we do i mean they didn't leave him after the war machine armor incident i'm sure they're like (laughs) wait i thought he got arrested at the end of that yeah but black widow and uh, winter soldier broke him out though (laughs) maybe that's like like black widow is there she's like oh come on frank yeah come on you could you couldn't wait a week (laughs) you couldn't wait till the heat dies down because again they make it very clear that this happened not long after the whole war machine no yeah 
yeah probably like a week maybe a month or so after it <laughs> which i kind of like this idea too of winter soldier and black widow and more of the you know murder happy morally ambiguous members of the superhero community kind of supporting frank from afar mm. they got the little bumper stickers uh, frank uh, 2020 or something <laughs> that's the thing because it's funny because you stop and think about it, it's like well black widow's an assassin winter soldier's definitely an assassin a hawkeye was a reformed villain who killed people why why did they enjoy such a cushy place on avengers teams and in the hearts of captain america and everyone else but frank doesn't oh oh because frank doesn't come when he's called that's why <laughs> yeah frank only goes where he wants to go frank doesn't <laughs> listen to orders unlike natasha and clint and bucky what? and everything which is really strange because, like, I I always liked like when they built up like Frank and Cap's relationship, mm. how like Frank is kind of like a Cap fanboy, like he really yeah. respects Cap, and I was like, and I was thinking like, like why wouldn't he follow Cap? Like, of course he would. I'm guessing like he wouldn't now because of Secret Empire and everything. There's, um, there's that, and there's also Frank being the whole like I don't think you go far enough, Captain America. That's true. Yeah. It's, I don't think you go far enough, and then you get the other side of it where Cap is like, oh, I am representative of the country, you are a veteran, oh, did I let you down, boy, did I let you down, I let your whole generation down, basically, you're a walking psychopath, and it's my fault, and I gave you the tools to kill the way you do. Yeah. It's a sad relationship they have. I hope Matthew Rosenberg explores that now that uh, Frank is kind of on a bigger scale. I would love to see a crossover between Rosenberg's Punisher and Ta-Nehisi Coates' new Captain America. Well, yeah, I, I, I have to think, because they, they're telling stories within that the same realm, like Hydra and this other Cap and, like, yep. taking out Hydra and everything. So, yeah, they have to. They have to at one point. Oh, yeah. In fact, even this whole idea of Zemo setting up a rogue nation, again, I don't know if you read it, but at the end of the War Machine story, uh, Zemo tried to break evil Cap out of jail and as yeah, they're taking yeah. him away, Zemo's like, oh, you know, me and Evil Cap had a big, long conversation about what we're going to do. And, oh, it's going to be amazing. So, really, this whole Rogue Nation plan might be Evil Steve's plan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, that's very fascinating, I think. Yeah, it's a damn good book. Yeah, it's very solid. Again, you know, if you've been looking for a Punisher book, I think this one won't disappoint. Matthew Rosenberg, again, much like Bendis, no street level, knows action, and it's one of the few, uh, like, adult uh, content warning label books at Marvel right now. So if you want a bloody good time, it's a bloody good time as well. Yeah. Uh, what else did we have, Matt? Uh, we had we had Avengers issue six. Yes, the big conclusion to the Dark Celestial storyline. Yeah, a, a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, you know, it, it went the way that it had to go, and that is that the Avengers learn a very important lesson about not being like the Avengers BC and trying to solve this problem using their minds and not just their muscles. Yeah, yeah, they, they have to think before they act. Yeah, to, as to not end up like Odin with everyone being dead. Yeah, and Odin being kind of the reason why the Horde is still, like, was still on Earth and infecting the Earth, whereas yeah. since we find out this issue, the final host came to wipe them out. Yeah. But because Odin was there and, like, killed them, they couldn't, so they had to sort of, the, the, the Horde sort of festered in Earth and yeah. humans were left on Earth to sort of be the cure sort of yes. thing. Yes, that Earth Earth is a Petri dish, or as Robbie keeps saying, we are the vomit of gods. Yeah. 
Which I like that idea that humanity is actually the cure for what plagues the Celestials. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. It's a nice touch. And again, it's like, hey, weren't the Eternals involved in this story? Yes, in fact, the Avengers do the great Eternal technique of activating the Unimind. Yeah, yeah, they were involved for like a, a, a second to deliver that one piece of crucial information. That one piece of crucial information. Basically, the Avengers, they become a Megazord or a Voltron. They all join <laughs> together. Yeah, all joined together in a big giant Ghost Rider Eternal, uh, uh, Celestial. Yep, and it's really cool. It is. It was a really cool book. Yeah, and then the good Celestials help them fight the bad Celestials. And it's just, <laughs> again, it's just freaking huge. Jason Aaron does a great job making this story feel epic because he opens up talking about who's feeling the effects of this fight. It's like, oh, and in the halls of the Shi'ar Empire and in the depths of Atlantis and even in the chambers of heaven and hell itself. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I like we got that all spread through the out the book like like Dracula now knows fear and all all this like really cool stuff uh, and yeah making it feel like a grand scale something the Avengers book kind of needed yes. since since much like Justice League uh, it, it kind of like stagnated there for but it was good like um with Mark Wade and Mark Del Mundo and all that writing but it wasn't like what an Avengers book should be, which is yeah. these big grand stories and everything. And now they finally hit that yeah. with an interesting team makeup as well. Very interesting team makeup. And in fact, even at the end of the story, they didn't have the moment I thought they were going to have where it's like, oh, so we're a team now, right? We're the new, new Avengers. <laughs> but no, we're the all new, all different, but better legacy Avengers. <laughs> fresh start. <laughs> yeah, TM. <laughs> yeah, dot, dot, fresh start. And uh, it had the moment that you knew had to happen, too, where everyone's like, hey, you know, we respect you, Robbie Ghost Rider. You may be the youngest of us, but you did good, kid. You're the youngest, but you're the best of us. You're the best of us. Robbie was the best of us. Never forget. <laughs> Does that joke even track anymore? That's like five years worth of a joke now to like the early <laughs> seasons of Walking Dead and, and, and like other podcasts. Does that joke track anymore? I don't think so. We're making fun of T-Dog, everyone. Very early on in Walking Dead, they say T-Dog was the best of us, but he wasn't. <laughs> T-Dog stood in the back and never voted on important things. <laughs> and then died and acted important. Yeah, but that's the thing. He was the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself every day, what would T-Dog do? Uh, hey, does anyone know... Tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> did did anyone ever figure out T Dog's real name? No, it's better this way. <laughs> no one, no one ever asked. No. <laughs> but yeah, so that was some cool shit there. Avengers, they win the day. Uh, was the ending slightly confusing to you with Loki laughing like a madman? Was that just Loki being mischievous, or are they seeking to imply that Loki wanted this to happen? I think they're implying that Loki wanted this to like in the grand scheme of things. I think this was this was Loki's plan. I'll get these final final hosts and Celestials come to Earth, and that'll bring the Avengers back. Right. And now that the Avengers are back, I can something use them somehow for something because well, they're the best team ever or something. Which like that made me think. I'm like because obviously Jason Aaron is involved in the bulk of Loki stories right now with what he's writing in Thor and what he's writing here. And, you know, his his morality is hard to pin down because he's a member of Malekith's Dark Council, but he also kind of seems to be undermining that team from the inside out. He begrudgingly helps his brother Thor. He was working with the Dark Celestials here, but the Dark Celestials weren't 100% evil. They were sick. 
and then here he seems happy about it, and then over in Infinity War, he doesn't really seem to be fighting anyone, he's actually trying to, like, get to the bottom of why he's not a good guy. Yeah, again, again, like, I think somehow, like, all or most of this is tied, like, it could be tied into, like, the, uh, the War of Realms, like, he's getting, like, Earth prepared, maybe for the war of realms so like right. so like malicus forces will be like weakened by the avengers or something and and then it'll leave him to be able to strike against malicus or something i'm sure take aaron, over or something i'm sure aaron will explain it somewhere yeah yeah i know he's definitely playing the long game with this character definitely and that, that's really good as well uh, i like that yeah i like so, what they're doing they're doing with Loki and all this stuff yeah so avengers six we enjoyed it it was a good time pick it up and trade if you didn't read it and i guess from one team book to another we can talk about justice league dark which was also this week mm, very very interesting yeah I, I know you you could i know you caught up you're a little you're two issues behind but i saw that you caught up did you like the, the first two issues well here's the funny thing i was cold on issue one I definitely liked issue two. Issue two won me over. Yeah. Because issue two does some fairly unexpected things. Uh, the first thing I really enjoyed is what they do with Swamp Thing, to where they actually show him being kind of old, broken down, and kind of wanting out of the Swamp Thing deal. Yeah, yeah. Even John Constantine questions, like, is Alec Holland even in there anymore? Was he even in there to begin with? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like John's like like role in this team where he's not really on the team, but he's like, oh, I'll just kind of tag along and see. This seems interesting. What's going on over here? I'll just show up. Yeah, which is hilarious because people ask James Tyner, I was like, well, how can you do a Justice League Dark Team without John Constantine? He's like, don't worry, he's there. Yo, I'll show you. <laughs> He'll be in every issue. He'll be like Batman on Justice League. I'm not an official member. I'm just in more episodes and more <laughs> stories than anyone. Uh, yeah, but this issue is really cool because they go to the Tower of Fate. Yes, because they figure, hey, if magic is in danger in the DC universe, surely Dr. Fate, the biggest, baddest magic mama jama, will know about it. Yeah, and Dr. Fate is kind of like an antagonist in this this issue. Yes, it, to borrow a wrestling term, Dr. Fate turns heel on the rest of the DC <laughs> universe. He pulls out a chair and he just hits Wonder Woman in the back. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm part of the other kind world order. It was me. I was the third man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get a, like a kind of a little history on like the, the, the helmet of fate, which, uh, like. which was really, which is, yeah, really cool. Uh, another really cool thing is we also sort of found out what happened to that dcu dr fate yes yeah, <laughs> and he's like trapped in like on like an urn or something yeah. someone remembered khalid thank you james tynan <laughs> for remembering khalid was a thing but someone remembered he was a thing he came in for like was it like a panel or something and then returned to like that vase cask thing that's that's <laughs> all i ask just remember these characters existed that's all i ask Remember when I was Doctor Fate? Oh, no one read that. Oh yeah. Remember, I was I was Doctor Fate, and Green Arrow was a werewolf, and Batman was a robot, and Wonder Woman was the god of war. Okay, Khalid, you're acting crazy. None of that sounds like it. Ha Superman had a buzz cut and rode a motorcycle. Okay, back in the urn with you. Yeah. Okay, that didn't happen. Go away. <laughs> Stop talking about these things that weren't real and didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in that little part like he does like reveal that like nabu is like the one bringing the other kind yeah um to to earth i guess 
Which which makes sense because Nabu was always kind of an asshole and he always yeah. kind of screwed humanity for his own goals because again he's a lord of order he's so above anyone he doesn't care who he hurts so long as he maintains order and his idea is is that magic made mankind too chaotic it's time to give magic back to its original owners and then we'll have more order and everyone will be happier. Yeah, yeah, I, I like like Nabu as like a. Not not a villain, but like a I guess maybe like an anti-hero where he thinks he's doing the right thing, but it's not like the right thing everyone else sees or something. He is a morally gray antagonist, is what he yeah. is. He yeah. thinks he's doing the right thing, even though hey, if you're thrown in with a bunch of horrible monsters, maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah, horrible Eldritch monsters. Yeah, Eldritch Lovecraftian horrors. Uh, we even get something this issue too in the beginning which I quite appreciated. They were illustrating Wonder Woman's connection to magic while also being sure to drop hints for the big crossover story that comes after this first arc, the Hecatea. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, more more chances for Jason Aaron to flex his horror muscle. It was very, it was very like Macbeth, like Wonder Woman stumbles upon an Amazonian witch ritual that she was not supposed to see. Yeah, and probably scarred her for life. Literally scarred El- Eldritch, her Eldritch horrors and everything coming out of, like, a cauldron and whatnot. And then, yeah, she gets, like, branded yeah. <laughs> branded she, in the head. She, she gets branded with what basically looks like a bailet mark from Berserk. She's got, like, the thing <laughs> that Guts has. <laughs> now that's a crossover. Guts meets Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's a thing right there. That's a that's a friggin' deal. Actually, a lot of the monsters in this look very berserky. And J- James Tyner, are you a fan? <laughs> you seem like you might be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Justice League Dark 2 definitely won me over. I'm definitely on board to see where this one goes. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Ooh, we had Spider-Man this week. Did you read the Spider-Man? I did read the Amazing Spider-Man issue four. Nick Spencer really having some fun at the idea of what if you split the Spider-Man and Peter Parker personalities. Yeah, well, not just that. What if you you gave like all the power, all the responsibility to Peter, but all the power to Spider-Man? Like, like what happens with that? And the answer is Spider-Man joyrides around New York on Tri Sentinel. <laughs> Yep. And destroys shit. <laughs> yeah, look at my fucking robot. I don't care if I break stuff. Also, too, you know, he has a whole conversation with Aunt May about him being an underachiever and everything and why he's always hard up for money and everything. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is doing endorsement deals and renting himself <laughs> out as an Uber and making tons of money. Yeah, it makes him kind of jealous a little yeah. bit. And um, I, I like that, like, Peter, even without his powers, he's still trying to help where he can, like, helping old yeah. people cross the road, getting arrested for paying people's parking. And... Which is illegal in New York, we discover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, I like this idea that heroism is just implicit to Peter Parker. It's literally baked into his DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. And, yeah, the Spider-Man is, is, is being kind of a dick and c- kind of... In a way, as well, acting like he was like when uh, he was the superior Spider-Man. Like yes. he's arrogant, he's mm. really full of himself and everything. He's kind of dangerous. He is. I-, I dig the idea too that Peter is actually annoyed by Spider-Man's constant joking and never taking anything seriously. That being on the other side of that, he's like, ah, oh, now you know how it feels. <laughs> yeah, to have someone just quip and never take you seriously and always <laughs> change the subject. I like that he finds that annoying. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, we find out who was behind the Tri Sentinel threat, and it's freaking Mendel Strom, the robot master. Yeah, who's really pissed that he didn't get his chance. <laughs> a D-list Spider-Man villain who goes on a whole tear about how he doesn't want to be remembered as a D-list Spider-Man villain. Yeah, because yeah, of that goddamn Norman Osborn. <laughs> I trained him. There'd be no goblin without me. Why am I called the <laughs> robot master? I'm a chemist. I should be the chemist master. <laughs> <laughs> everything about me is wrong and nick spencer even mentions like oh yeah he used to be called robot master he used to be called gaunt he comes back every year darker and edgier <laughs> yeah with a darker and edgier name <laughs> yeah, they, they even show all his multiple costumes i'm like yeah they have reinvented the robot master a ton and it's never worked <laughs> <laughs> and he's only exists for really deep spider-man fan cuts oh also he's living in a life foundation vault with li uh, the life foundation that's like some 80s Michelini McFarlane stuff. Yeah. So clearly Nick Spencer knows his shit and he's read a Spider-Man book once or twice. <laughs> and I appreciate those deep cuts and those calls. And also, too, uh, Robot Master seems to be hearing the voice of whoever it is who kidnapped Mysterio, basically making a devil's deal with him. Yeah, yeah, um... It's it's interesting how they're like like this is the first time we've seen or like heard this vi these villains since like what issue one yeah yeah so uh, it's a slow build slow build to like revealing who who took Mysterio from from uh, hell and who's like working with him and they, it kind of makes me think like maybe they they're like gonna like recruit all these villains and make like a new Sinister Six or something oh, yeah. oh they have to be going that way and I am all about that. Yeah, that's going to be so cool. Although, in a very Nick Spencer way, he's not picking, like, the AAA villains. He's picking yeah. the villains who need a pick-me-up themselves, like Mysterio, who was dead for a long time. Yeah, he, he's... In my mind, he's picking interesting villains. Yeah, like Robot Master, who, again, has so many ups and downs as a character. It's a very Nick Spencer thing to do, because, of course, this is the guy who did Superior Foes, for crying out loud. Exactly, yeah. He's he's kind of superior following the Sinister Six and yeah. making it like really cool and with interesting characters and everything. Not not characters you would suspect. We keep seeing a bunch of stuff happening in Africa, and I keep saying like, okay, well, when's Craven going to show up? See, see, I keep I, I kept thinking I'm like, oh, I'm wondering if that that is going to be Craven or it's going to be someone else, right? Because Craven, because like, he's been doing like Mysterio, Mendelstrom, mm. whoever's. It could be completely someone completely different. Could be one of Craven's kids. I think Craven would make sense for this team because he's another villain who's really popular but has fallen on hard times and needs new direction. Yeah, fair enough. I think, and again, he's like one of the original members of the six too, so it would make sense. Yeah, and it also it's going to be interesting to see like how Peter and Spider-Man sort of merge back together because yeah. as we find out, like the the test subjects die after a certain amount of time after losing their memory. So we're dealing with a Spider-Man who doesn't remember Uncle Ben, doesn't remember his mm. cornerstone for existing. Yeah, which is why he's kind of an idiot and kind of a jerk and yeah. everything. <laughs> It's clever, I like it. As someone mentioned in my comment section, it's like, haven't they done this with Hulk a bunch of times? Yes, but Spider-Man fans don't read those Hulk stories. <laughs> it's all new to them, is what it is. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying this one. I'm digging it, and I like it. it actually seems like this arc is going to have a solid conclusion, because I wasn't sure uh, how long Spencer was going to do the split-up Spider-Man thing, but there's definitely a ticking clock now to know you need to fix this and right away. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad he gave himself one of them, and it just wasn't something that keep continuing on and on and on. Um, but yeah, that's going to be interesting to see, as well as like the build up with this maybe possible Sinister Six or whatever this this team is going to be of villains. It's true. Uh, th- they actually did give a very uh, important, I think, piece of information about who this new demonic villain can be. He said a thing that really stuck in my mind. He said when he was talking to the robot master, I know what it's like to live in another man's shadow. Ooh. You think he's referring Ooh. to Mephisto? Mm, maybe. My my theory is, I'm like, okay, this guy has to be related to Mephisto. Maybe he's another villain who's trying to take up in Mephisto's absence. Or here's another thing. Uh, maybe like Darkheart, maybe he's another one of Mephisto's kids. Because Mephisto has a lot of kids. Maybe here's another one we just didn't know about. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Like, I'm the third Mephisto kid, the one no one talks about. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, whether this book references, like, the whole deal with the, um... Spider-Geddon? Uh, yeah, the, that as well as, like, the Doc Ock, uh, uh, uh Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Geddon, it's not going to. I've looked, uh, the Zadarsky Spider-Man book is going to have tie-ins to Spider-Geddon. This one will not. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Which, honestly, that's... I, I'm fine with that. I'm glad that Amazing Spider-Man will not be interrupted for an event. But, man, man, it's like Zadarsky and Spencer whipped it out to see whose was bigger and see who wouldn't have to do tie-ins, and we saw who won. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, no tie-ins for me, zip. Because that's obviously how they decide things in comics, who's going to get a tie-in. You have to come to the publisher's office, whip it out, and then whoever, <laughs> whoever is longer doesn't have to do a tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works that's how it works that's how it works it is it is an ancient practice passed down by jack kirby and stan lee from time immemorial they say they learned it from the guy who used to draw prince valiant back in the comic strips <laughs> but but the true records of these events have been lost to history <laughs> We have only the oral tradition that we pass down for these stories. <laughs> no one has tried to write it down. Uh. But yeah, Spider-Man was pretty tight. Uh, oh, I had Venom this week, too. Oh, what was that like? Oh, Venom got a bunch of new powers. Ooh. Oh, I did see like a, like one where he, get, he gets like wings. Yes, they actually have a pretty good reason for that. Yeah. So, yeah, so Venom had a run-in with Null, the symbiote god, who was, again, lost to history because he was so evil and everything. Uh, Null touched Eddie's symbiote. He touched the Venom suit to try and, like, purge it of the light, but Eddie was able to take it back. Just by touching God and by getting reconnected to the symbiote hive mind, it now remembers a bunch of stuff it used to be able to do but has forgotten in the last, like, million years. So he's he's at that part of like the video game where like you unlock the skill points. Yes. And now he's got and he's got like the, they give you like the five skill points and he puts yes. them all on the the different powers. Yep. The Venom symbiote has unlocked perks now. That was one. <laughs> Wings is one. Flight is one. Another one is that like uh, Eddie's freaking. I was like, oh god, I'm freaking out, man. What are we gonna do? And the suit's like, oh, hey, hey, man, I'm reading your brain chemicals. There's a lot of stress hormones. Would you like me to turn those off? I can turn off your pain too if you want. Jeez. <laughs> to which Eddie's like, you can do that. And the suit's like, it's all new to me, man. Technically, I could always do it. I'm just now remembering. it's like oh yeah i could do that yeah i can do that and then they take it to another level because the venom suit isn't strong enough he needs to get stronger so he takes a page out of piccolo's playbook from dbz (laughs) 
<laughs> and that is that uh, Rex, the uh, military dude from Vietnam who's been helping Eddie out, uh, turns out the reason he's so strong and the reason he's been able to survive so long is that he, his symbiote was part of the Grendel, the thing that Null sent to Earth to kind of like claim it for uh, symbiote kind, but then got beaten by Thor and got scattered into pieces. He's the yeah. last piece. In fact, Rex isn't even a person anymore. He's completely and utterly fused with his symbiote. And he doesn't think that he can beat Null on his own. But if we combine together, which is another thing symbiotes can do because we're a hive mind, I will get your powers and my new powers and I'll end up looking more like the original McFarlane drawings with like the monster mouth and the big tongue and everything. And I will unlock a whole new level of power and Rex will live in my mind and talk to me and give me advice. <laughs> So it's literally Piccolo fusing with Nail and then fusing with Kami is what it is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, so that is where we're at in Venom now. He has unlocked a whole new level of perks and abilities. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, this is so this is so 90s. This should be ridiculous, but Donnie Cates writes it so sincerely. <laughs> you have to love it. That's that's like his um his cosmic ghostwriter book like that is so nineties mm. all the stuff he's doing in that but it's like it's written in a way where you're like yeah I I don't mind this this usually if this was written by anyone else it would be like like garbage yeah. but like it, it's so good he has a real nineties comic sensibility he does extreme but without making it dumb yeah or, or corny or anything An another perfect example of how it's extreme done well it's like so venom gets all these new powers it's like oh but i think we still might not be strong enough to fight the forces of null and rex is like don't worry he flips a switch and he has a whole room full of guns <laughs> oh so now he's got the new powers and he's got the guns <laughs> and i'm like this should be so stupid but i'm loving every second i think too because he's winking and nudging you as well it's like isn't this dumb yeah 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 but yeah, Venom is awesome. Venom is becoming one of my favorite Marvel books right now, and I never thought I would say that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Venom is wonderful, stupid fun. If you're not reading it, you totally should, because <laughs> it gets awesome. The real the real hero, though, is Ryan Stegman's art, because he's writing, he's drawing all these cool suits and all these upgrades and all these weapons, and everything's very creepy and gothic. The book wouldn't work if it wasn't for his art. Oh, uh, that's good. The man was d born to draw symbiotes. <laughs> also, notice how I go back and forth. Someone got mad at me in the comments for this. I say symbiote, yacht, like I really stress the yacht part. Yeah. But I also sometimes go back and say symbiote. What do you say? Symbiote. Symbiote. Okay, see, you're probably saying it how it should be pronounced. <laughs> How did they pronounce it in the trailer for the movie that pissed everyone off? I think they said it like <laughs> I say it. I think they say like symbi yeah, symbiote. Symbiote. Yeah, tomato, tomato. It's not real. <laughs> Clintar. Let's just call them Clintars, which is also a silly word. Clintar. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine anyone who says that sounds like that. <laughs> but that's okay, because Donny Cates actually wrote a cool reason for what Clintar even means. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Clintar means cage. The planet of the symbiotes was meant to hold Null the symbiote god in. <laughs> that's why it's called that. But, yeah, so Venom was sweet, and that's uh, that's basically everything I read this week. Did you read anything that I did? Uh, I got one more book, and that's The Flash, issue 53. Oh, yes. How is The Flash? What's he been doing? Pretty cool. He's been fighting a strength force imbued trickster. That's right. You uh, told me the trickster got all buff. 
Yeah, yeah, and um, as well as in in this issue, we kind of got like a little bit of backstory on Commander Cold, mm. uh, and we see him as just like a normal like twenty fifth century uh, Central City police officer uh, who rushes into a hostage situation where <laughs> the elongated maniac ah. has killed um, all these hostages, and he he wants to kill the elongated maniac for that, and. Uh, that reason, because he he wants to punish uh, criminals and everything, is the reason why he becomes Commander Cold. Because he he can uh, separate his emotions and and do what needs to be done and everything. So he's emotionally cold. Also, that's slick. That in this future where bad guys are heroes, obviously heroes would be bad guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Flash and him kind of fight the. Uh, uh, the the trickster and Flash learns that uh, vibrating out of the trickster's hand uh, causes him to become unbalanced with the s- strength force and kind of fall out of frequency with it, so it begins to hurt him. Oh. Um, and the trickster wants help, wants, wants Flash's help, so they end up going to Iron Heights where they have facilities that will be able to hold the trickster as he is in that form and uh captain cold runs his tests and everything and then the flash ends up becoming infected with the strength force and grows into a huge huge hulking flash um and then yeah commit uh warden wolf is like panicking and i'll kill them both and then yeah commander cold yeah commander cold is sick of doing it flash's way and wants to kill them both as well (laughs) and um we also got more from like Iris because Iris is is like kind of remembering her mm, pre Flashpoint yeah. past, but also her current uh, memory. So they're sort of like merging, and she's kind of remembering herself as Iris Allen, not Iris mm. West. And um, like it's kind of confusing her and everything, and she's trying to figure out what exactly these forces are because by her memory, she seems to remember what they are because mm. she's had some run-in with them or something in her memory, but she can't put her finger on it quite right yet. So, yeah, lots of really cool stuff happening, and uh, I'm interested to see, like, whether they keep explaining these forces and they roll into... I think they're rolling into something called the Force Quest, which will be, like, a big sort of event for for the book and everything. And again, like, The Flash is having all these events that are pertinent to, like, Justice League and Metal and all that, and no one gives a shit about it. That, like, DC aren't, like, like advertising them no. or anything. These are important books. I, would, I wouldn't know about any of this stuff if you didn't tell me, and literally, you are making me want to read Flash. I think they should hire you for marketing because you're doing more to make <laughs> me want to pick up this book than anything else. Yeah, they, they're not marketing it right. It, it, it's a really damn good book. They, uh, Joshua Williamson has been writing like writing it for about 53 issues i think he had like one or two off but yeah it's all consistent with what he's been writing and i love his work i love nailbiter i love that suicide squad justice league thing he wrote he should write more Mm -hmm. events the dude clearly has big ideas oh yeah yeah and they're letting him do it as well yeah yeah they they kind of seem to let him just be writing flash unmolested which is nice yeah yeah so is that uh, is that everything for the week map that is everything. All right, so that's the show, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that social media jazz. Certainly helps us out. If you're a patron, you're going to get to listen to this show first before anyone else. We usually try and upload this one uh, Sunday night as soon as we're done, or, well, we try to. You know, sometimes I record the show wrong, and Matt records it right, and I have to wait to get an audio <laughs> version of him. But not this <laughs> week. We tested the mics before we started. <laughs> 
So I know the words I'm saying will travel here. Um, also, if you want to download the show, carry it around with you wherever you go. Uh, we are sure to put it up on SoundCloud and also iTunes on Thursday. So you can get those those days if you are so interested. Yep, and go vote for us on iTunes and like like rate us and everything so we get a bit higher up in the list of searches and everything. Yes, that's a thing now. I never thought of that. But yeah, iTunes is kind of a contest, isn't it, where you can actually be <laughs> like top for arts and entertainment or whatever. I don't think we will be top for arts and entertainment. Oh, hey, no, God, no. No, but let's, let's, let's try and beat some other comic podcasts, why don't we? Let's try and <laughs> lord over some of them, why don't we? <laughs> I'd be okay with that, knowing I'm better than somebody. <laughs> I'd like that just once in my life. Just step over someone. <laughs> Neil peasant, don't look me in the eye. Yeah, you normie. Yeah, normie, don't look me in the fucking eye. You will refer to me as Mr. Daly. <laughs> God King Daly. God, yeah, there you go. God King Daly on my throne. And you must <laughs> you must genuflect, not look me in the eye, but you must also genuflect when you are near those of lesser podcasts. <laughs> for that is what I am deserved in. For I have been <laughs> christened from on high to deliver you. Oh, God. It is the ruling right of podcast kings. I'm trying to think what other dickish behavior I could do. And, and only bring me green M&M's. <laughs> So help me God, if there is a brown M&M in there, you will, you will be whipped, and then whipped again. <laughs> God damn it. But uh, yes, everyone, so thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, real nice. Hey, if you're going to be in the Philadelphia area, September 14th to 16th, uh, come out and find me, because I'm going to be there now. Awesome. I didn't think I was going to be there, but I'm going to be there now. I've never been to Philadelphia before. I don't know what I should do there. Apparently, lots of American history. See, see the Liberty Bell. They love, they love that Liberty Bell. Yeah, go see that Liberty Bell. Steal the Declaration of Independence. Mm, just one time. Fo follow the National Treasure. Think, yeah, I don't think that's there. I think that's in the Smithsonian. I, I know, but like they go there in the movie to go to the Nash, go to oh, the Declaration. Because there's a clue. Yeah. Follow the Nick Cage. Follow Nick Cage. It must follow the Nick Cage. <laughs> he, he hangs around there. Like, do you do you remember? Do you remember Hi, handing out bootlegs of the film? <laughs> he sells them out of his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to make money somehow. <laughs> I got to make money. So I got a really expensive comic book habit and like four X Ys. What what would you do? <laughs> you'd sell bootleg copies of national treasure at national monuments is what you would do <laughs> oh ooh, i could climb up the stairs and i could punch the rocky statue in the face that's what people do right they run up the stairs and punch rocky probably <laughs> i was looking at hotels apparently you can stay at benjamin franklin's house it's really expensive and nowhere near the convention center but you can Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Knowing me, though, I'd probably get kicked out the first night because I'd be tearing up floorboards trying to find the secret Hellfire sex room. Where's the secret sex room? I know it's here. <laughs> I was told it would be here. I know what he was into. I played the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> Where's the secret sex room? Then you'd see the article there. Pudgy uh, comic critic was asked to leave the Franklin estate. <laughs> Stupid Canadian, we all know that the secret sex room was next door. <laughs> Everyone who works there knows that. <laughs> Dummy. But yes, on that note, everyone will bring the show to the close. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And we will be back again next week. Same time, same place. 
Yeah. 